Hey, this is Jim Graham from the Masculine Journey Podcast, where we explore relationship instead of religion every week. Your chosen Truth Network podcast is starting in just a few seconds. Enjoy it, share it, but most of all, thank you for listening and for choosing the Truth Podcast Network. This is the Truth Network. Welcome to Lantern Rescue, a ministry program dedicated to bring light into the darkness of human trafficking. It's time to light the way to freedom. This is Lantern Rescue. We tell the stories, we talk about rescues, and we empower you to do something about it. William Wilberforce once said, let it not be said I was silent when they needed me. This is Lantern Rescue. We are lighting it up today on Lantern Rescue. The last few episodes, really, really fun. We've had a chance to have the whole team in the studio with us. And today is no exception to that as we get a chance to actually talk to Mark and Jamie and hear their story. So, you know, it's one of the questions we asked the other teammates. You know, Mark, we got to hear a little bit of how Jamie felt that went originally. But how did it go from your standpoint? What what did God do to, in your life to begin to prepare you for, for this adventure? <laughs> you know, it's not uncommon because as we've done today we've been able to do several shows in a row listeners probably don't know that but back to back and being able to hear uh, my teammates and their heart and then also their spouses and their heart and also the sacrifices that they make and all that they do and there's even more that's activities going on i know that you know i know tc is you know volunteered his time and went to costa rica and you know trained commandos and i know that Alan's gone to Africa and been training people, and and Ren is co- a constant donor of her time. As she used that word, what was it, volunteer? So she is is constantly volunteering as well for other things. And so just listening and taking in their hearts, I think what's so important for our listeners to understand is that it's not necessarily our training, it's not our you know extensive amount of tactical training. It's not all of that. What it is is just being willing to obey when the Lord you know, commands or prods you and says, I want you to do this. And so, you know, for, for me, it was probably maybe the Lord had this in his works and plans many, many years ago, but it took some years for me to come to that place of humility and submission to say, wow, this is a problem. And, um, Lord, I want, I want to do something about it too much is given much is required. Right. And, and I know a word that's just huge is compassion. Right, but in order to have compassion for this, there has to be some story that you know that was like, oh, oh, and you talk about William Wilberforce, and right. you know, once he knew that now you got to do it. What was it that you? How did you come about knowing? For me, specifically with human trafficking, working in parts of the world, especially most recently with ISIS, and they would they would hold hostages, and I was part of an extraction team there was the fact that this was not just a problem with ISIS. This was a worldwide problem in every single country. And as I started to look into it and even began to help even other organizations, I realized that everybody's bringing a, a wiffle bat to a baseball game, a real game. You know, this is a real I situation a knife to a gunfight, right? And it would, everybody was under equipped or, or, you know, this, we're not taking this issue seriously enough. So, that's really where the Lord began to work on my heart and mind to say, you know, this is what you're going to do the rest of your life. You need to 
what you have left. And I, regrettably, I wish I had more, but uh, to say, this is what you're going to do. Wow. Wow. And so I'm curious, Jamie, as you hear that from your husband, what, what did you see in his life that would have triggered that? Well, there's a lot, but, um, you know, some of the other couples reference what their husband's like character was like. So I just remember back in high school, we've known each other a whole long time now, been together a very long time. And Mark was always one who would stick up for, for the underdog. And even for himself, he would p- be picked on by much older people and be able to defend himself very well. But I remember this that's my, one. That's my older brother's, thanks to that. Guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I re- not just your older brother's. I was brothers, a karate bag for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> but um, there was this one particular time I remember because we were in high school together. And this a mentally challenged um, girl was being picked on by a boy in the class. And everybody kept saying, you know, stop, stop picking on her, stop picking on her. And Mark kept saying, you know, quit, man, or I'm going to make you quit. And this guy just kept going, kept going until finally, you know, Mark made him quit. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's okay because he was defending the weak and the helpless. And this poor girl, I mean, she was mentally challenged too. And this guy kept picking on her. And so he's always been somebody who defends uh, the weak. And I just want to so, say- So we got to find out because, you know, every listener is thinking the same thing I'm listening that- Mark, how'd you make him quit? <laughs> you see that, gla- you see that glass on that door? You see the glass on your door? Yeah. His head went through that glass on that door. <laughs> really? <laughs> That's the honest truth. <laughs> Is that what, he made him quit, I guess. Uh, yeah, he quit. Wow, that'd be painful. I don't ever remember him picking on her ever again. (laughs) Sometimes I think my, you know, my motive was right, but I went a little too extreme. Maybe (laughs) for those who aren't seeing the glass that he's referring to, you know, in the studio we have a little window. It's maybe eight by eight inches, actually bulletproof glass. If you want to know, yeah. I mean, I did warn him. I did particularly tell this person if you don't stop. That's where your head's going. So, you know. Oh, really? You actually, you part, you pointed the shot like yeah. <laughs> eight ball in the quarter pocket and here you go. And, and so, wow. Yeah. So uh, you were a witness to this and was yeah. he your boyfriend at this point? <laughs> no. Yes. Was yes, I? Yeah, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. And, you know. <laughs> My boyfriend's men, and men you're going to be in trouble. I'm mean, hearing the whole song. No, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. You're go good. Ahead. You're good. You know, men are programmed differently than than girls from the get-go. And I am a teacher at church to some inner-city kids, you know. And I see these some boys who are trying to stand up for others and then some boys who feel like it's a manly thing just to be a bully and to be aggressive and to just, you know, be difficult. You know, I've had to pull some of them aside and say, look, God made you a man to protect women to protect girls to be a protector so use your aggression aggression to protect and a lot of these kids have never ever heard that before all they see is thugs around them just you know be a bully if you're a man you're gonna just you're gonna be mean to people you're gonna i'm the boss you know that kind of a thing but they need to turn Mm -hmm. that aggression into a protection it's okay to be that way if you use it the right way yeah i like to say you know a submitted man to yielded to his creator is the most unstoppable protector. And, uh, and he's also the greatest provider and he's also a fantastic lover. You know, if men would just yield all of that, 
uh, maybe it's aggression or all that manhood. If we just yield it to the Lord, he will use it in the right way, you know, whether that's protection or provision or, or other means. So, you know, I, God needs men like that, you know, and I'm honored to work with men like that and, and to be in their company. Yeah, I have a guest frequently that works with gangs that, that talks about how those inner city kids they want love and acceptance like the madam we were talking about in the previous show. And so, you know, the way they're getting love and acceptance is by being that, bo- right? That's and, and so when somebody comes along that actually does this, but what I was thinking about is the women inside this, right? They're getting love and acceptance, you know, by these really bizarre means. Mm-hmm. A- and, the, and the trap that's laid for them in that is, is part of what we've talked about in several episodes. They, you know, mm-hmm. they don't stay rescued. Right. <laughs> I mean, right. you know, there's one thing to get rescued, you know, but it's quite another thing to stay rescued. So along those lines, you know, we asked the other couples, how did God rescue Mark? You know, people have asked me questions like, have you been in war? And um, I know that I always want to answer this in a different way than what they're expecting because my immediate answer is I've been at war since the day my soul possessed this body because the devil wanted to acquire it and he wanted to use it for evil and not good. And so we're in a battle. We're in in a specific war our whole lives and it's a spiritual battle. Yes, I've been in particular war zones as well for sure, but God without his rescuing operation in my heart and my life, you know, that's where I say, I, I don't know where I would be today. I've looked at ISIS. I mean, I've looked at the worst of the worst in, in terrorists and thought, you know, if I was in this region in this part of the world and left to myself, I'm not sure I wouldn't have done the same thing. I'm not sure I, who I would be. I would be just like them, you know, had I not heard the gospel. And so for me personally, you know, God worked through my family, my family, my parents got saved later in life and came to Christ later. And so I did grow up, you know, in a church environment. But it really didn't take in my life until I was about 17 years old. And then I started to accept what I'd been taught and it, it began to, you know, play a larger part in my life and my heart at that age. And uh, that's, that's actually, although when she says we met in high school, she really didn't have anything to do with me for about a year and a half. Because um, although I I, uh, I cared about certain things, I also, you know, just didn't follow the Lord at all and uh, follow after him in any part of my life. So the Lord rescued me at that time, and then it's just well, been. Yeah, a, just kidding, you know, I'm not letting you off that easy. So He rescued you. Yeah. What happened? You know, particularly for me, it was sitting. I was at a I was at a sports tournament, and uh, the speaker that spoke was not eloquent. He's he's actually not that great of a speaker at all. I had heard him. I heard him a couple times later, and I always thought, you know, he's really not compelling. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that night. Sitting there, you know, as you often do, and it was a sports event. I was required to go to this, and I sat down in it, and I was like, I just, you know, you're just trying to, as a kid, you're just trying to sit on the back row with the hottest girl, or, you know, you're just trying to, you know, that's all you're doing. It's just a, a dating environment in your mind. So, but in that environment, that this man, particular man, he began to preach about, you know, giving your 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 whole life to the Lord and committing to Him. And I remember realizing at that moment that if I got up and gave my life to Christ, that he would also make demands of me, that it would not just be an escape from hell or that it would affect my eternity, but that it would affect my life right then. That if I made that choice, that it would, it would control my choices from there forward, you know? And, um, 
you know, so when I went in, I guess I signed the contract heavily because I went forward not just to escape hell, but to say, Lord, whatever you want to do with me, I'm willing to do it, you know, so show me. And of course, he's had to re-rescue me, not through salvation, but in, you know, other ways as uh, TC was talking about the trimming in his life and somebody else was talking about how God works on them. Yeah, he's he's definitely had to rescue me more than one time, you know. It's a continuation of it. I get that completely. So we got to get to a break. You know, if you're like me, you're thinking, wow, I wonder, you know, Jamie, this boyfriend that could obviously, you know, take care of himself. She was witnessing this whole series of events. So when we get back, we get to hear those stories, which I know you're like me, you're dying to hear. So stay tuned. So much more. We're going to light it up on that rescue, which has led to all the rescues on Lantern Rescue. Lantern Rescue is a USA-based organization that conducts international rescue operations for people suffering from human trafficking. Lantern specializes in sending former U.S. Special Operation law enforcement and intelligence personnel to partner with host nations and assist them in creating specialized units to combat ongoing security problems, such as genocide, terrorism, and human trafficking. As a nonprofit charity, they offer services free of charge to their host nations. Human trafficking has grown into the second largest criminal activity in the world, reaching an estimated $150 billion in annual activity. Lantern Rescue has developed rapidly to combat trafficking. Lantern operates through a trained international network in order to rescue women and children from sex and labor slavery and facilitates holistic aftercare services. They're gearing up for operations right now, and you can go to lanternrescue.org to see how you can support them financially. Welcome back to Lantern Rescue, where, again, today we're lighting up a little bit of the foundation of where Lantern Rescue comes from. All these people have been rescued themselves in so many different ways and continue to be rescued like me. And and getting to meet the families and and, and what's behind, you know, that and and what has led to, you know, they're being equipped for such a time as this. And we're with Mark and Jamie today. And so when we left our hero, Mark, he was obviously just saved and— he was 17, am I right? Long and, time ago. And you'd known him for about a year. And so can you kind of take us back to what the real story is? <laughs> I had more hair. <laughs> I had a six pack. Yeah. Did you really? <laughs> and like Alan, I was 50 pounds lighter. <laughs> but he was a toothpick and I think he's better looking now than he was then actually. So, but yeah, I remember we were actually sitting around a fire pit in the middle of a like a gravel parking lot and we we're kind of like throwing sticks in the fire you know like christian christian camp type thing you know and he talked about getting saved and giving his life to the lord and i was like on the other side of the fire looking at him i think he could tell that i had some admiration there was this halo my around eyes. my body and head right when i threw that thing into the fire i mean like, you know, how you could know, you resist that, that's yeah? when i finally was like i ah, the sparks i'm were like flying. interested in this guy and now i, I pulled my jacket off there was an s, s you know, right there on his chest it's like oh yes you got any more questions i mean yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so interesting that you say that because if you know the story of superman that he was actually uh, developed by a couple of Jewish boys. Yeah, he was. Yeah, it is interesting. <laughs> and that, whole that story. S was actually the, the letter Zadik. Yeah. Um, because 
that's somebody who's going to make things right. And, it, and if right. you've heard <laughs> these stories of these Zadiks, all of them, you know, that, that obviously Jesus is the super Zadik. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and the idea of when they see bullying, when they see somebody who's being taken advantage of, you know, they're obviously going to move into that situation. So, mm-hmm. you know, we know that obviously you met Ren and you got involved with this adventure slash opportunity to be a Zadik, you know, mm-hmm. in, in really difficult situations. I, I'm wondering for you, was there a night, Jamie, that you were like, what was I thinking? No, I mean, as far as what, you know, what he's gotten involved in as a wife, like, oh my word, I, this is way more than I bargained for. Well, like initially he was going to be gone anywhere from a month to even five months, you know? That was several years ago now. And I thought that was going to be the one-time thing. And then he comes back and he's like, I'm going to do this until I die. (laughs) You know, that's a lot longer. (laughs) That's considerably longer, I I hope. (laughs) You know, we've shared with our listeners before, not necessarily on Lantern, but on other interviews. And she mentioned it before, something that I think is really important, significant to this ministry. And that is in the process of God bringing me to specifically working on trafficking, the trafficking issue, there's a point where I went to my wife and I said, I want to operate in a different way in the Middle East than, than maybe anybody else is. I, I simply I'm, you know, want to go and engage with ISIS in a way that will allow me to do what I want to do, not what anybody tells me to do. But you know, if that's share the gospel, if that whatever, you know, I want to have that freedom. We kind of prayed about that, and God opened up those doors in a way to do that. And when I came to share that with her, she started to cry. And I thought, well, she thinks this is the last trip. I'm going, you know, crazy man by himself on a plane to the Middle East, going to roll over in the Syria somewhere and shake a hand and lose my head, you know. And that maybe was a possibility. But so she was crying, you know, and I was trying to console her. And I've told people in the past, we have five daughters. And so, you know, crying's a thing that a man wants to fix pretty quick, you know, as fast as you can in those environments. And that's how we're conditioned. And that's what we try to do is like fix the problem. And I always laugh because just like the bully, my problem usually is shoot it or beat it up or just eliminate it. Right. And that moment I couldn't do anything. She's crying and I'm just trying to say, don't cry, don't cry. I'm not going to die. You know, and she's like, I'm not crying while you think I am. And with that said, I had to, I, I got up and, and I just said, I, I have to leave and just tell me later then. And so she says, yeah, I want to tell you later. So I, I leave and I'm driving and she sends me a text that says, for years, I prayed for the abused to be rescued or the abusers to become sick. I just never thought you would be an answer to that prayer. You know, immediately what she had prayed for for years that I didn't know about, I didn't know she was praying that prayer that God heard that prayer and then said, okay, the heart of your husband, I am preparing to do that. And I'm going to open those doors for him to do that. And so that became just uniquely how uniquely sovereign God is, you know, how cool he is. You, you say, you said earlier that he would hear that prayer and then make that a real opportunity. And I mean, that has seen me through a lot in this environment, both lantern and before (laughs) seen me through gunfights for kids to a lot of different places where I normally would back out, but then I'm like, you know what, wait a minute. This is an answer to God's prayer. God has an intention for this and got protection about me and let's do this. So God is just uniquely a sovereign. He's just amazing. 
So, Jamie, can you take us there from your perspective to that moment, right? You're there. You're crying. I wonder if when you sent the text, you'd know I'd keep it that long. No, no, for sure not. Sometimes I've been like, oh, if he dies, it's like my fault because he's like, <laughs> his text, like there's some sort of like magical power behind this short little paragraph. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh no, what have I done? Uh, yeah, right. yeah, but you see for me, that text though was, it took all the ego out of it, took all the training out of it, took it, all everything out of it and it just became obedience, obedience issue. Am I going to obey God and do this or am I not going to obey God and do this? Right. Uh, it's just beautiful. You know, and, 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 and you can kind of, you know, for those who haven't had a chance to hear these stories, like you know, this might be the first episode you've tuned into, there's podcast, right? It's Land and Rescue Podcast. You can get it at iTunes. You can get it any place. And you can hear all the stories. You can hear TC's, yeah. how this happened in that family, how this happened for Alan, how this happened to some extent with Ren and her best friend, Tori. And, you know, really great stories to see in, in, in what I hope that you see. And I know it's everybody's prayer here is that what you see is the real hero, the real Zadok, the real mm. Superman that's coming to the rescue is 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 Jesus, and, and he's come to the rescue of of this team so that they can be, you know, that rescue for people that that really, in a lot of cases, Mark, they don't know they need to be rescued. Yeah, they don't think it's possible. No. I mean, they're they're hoping for a change, but they've given up. And so you've seen that in a world, but there's another aspect to this that, that I would like our listeners to get a little bit of insight to. And, and, and that's the relationship that Lantern has with other nations, mm-hmm. right? And this didn't happen in a vacuum either. God was preparing these connections. Yeah. So can you share, I know you can't mention the countries and that kind of thing, but yeah. maybe a little bit of what God's done. You know, for us and for for Ren and I and the the founding of this, the basic discussion, like I said earlier, was there were too many organizations bringing the wrong equipment or too too less of a relationship to a much larger fight. And so for us, it was really important that we work with the highest level of the governments we can. And so the countries that we work in and those sovereign nations, we want to work at the highest level we can. You know, if we can meet with the president, prime minister, we do. If we can meet with attorney generals and that's who we're going to work with, that's what we do. Because we want a long-term plan in place for these countries. And so that's where guys like also TC and Allen play such a big role because they help help us identify the foreign team that's there, the foreign unit that we're going to train, that's going to work with us. You know, we're not their rogue. I mean, we're we're there, you know, with the country and working with a unit that often is like an FBI unit and allows them to get what they don't, they're never going to get. And we give them hope. We give them courage. We give them training and the means to do the rescues. Well, it's, it's, it's fascinating to me, you know, yeah. completely ignorant. <laughs> so I'm learning all along the way. But I hadn't even thought about what you, you – and I heard you say it several times, you know, essentially bringing a, a knife to a gunfight or bringing a wiffle bat to a baseball game. Right that if you're just working with the local sheriff, so to speak, you know, they only have so much power in the country, especially, you know, if if they're answering. So when you get in in connection with these presidents or prime ministers or whatever, that's the go-to guy, and he's the one who really does have the power to affect the whole team and the resources. Yeah, so it takes a great deal of diplomatic work. You know, we have to go and, and spend time in the country, not even doing rescues, just building our network out and finding out 
who's not corrupt, who's trustworthy, who can we piece together to work this type of operation? And, you know, that's time consuming and it's something I don't think our listeners understand. Or I think people think sometimes we, we're trained this way, we get some money, we go over and raid stuff, reach doors, rescue kids. There are hundreds of hours behind that operation that, you know, we have to do. There's not a day, I probably in the last five minutes before I jumped on this show, I was talking to somebody in another country who's a political person in that country and saying, hey, could we do this or that? It's full time. You know, it's full time. So one of those roles that you actually have, you know, you had told me and I can't get it right. There's the word diplomat in it, but it's right. called something. Yeah. I mean, I've been called a lot. A lot of guys refer to me as a warrior diplomat. And, and that's what I'm trained to do mostly in my past is, is to be able to go in and negotiate operations and uh, build those relationships and not get extorted in the process and or killed. That's what God's prepared me to do and do for land and rescue. Jamie, as you hear that part of what you see your your husband involved in, is it's kind of wild, isn't it? Yes, but I mean, it's not surprising really too much to me. He's always been <laughs> amazing. Yeah, Man, she's a sweetheart. He's, Man, that halo really did shine on her, buddy. I know. <laughs> Any he, guys he listening has, out there, here's what you do. Just he, you know. <laughs> He's brilliant. Use the sparks. Use the sparks. Fireworks he's, great, you know, however that works. So we, we, the again, Lord makes are, each person unique. But he definitely has made him amazing. And I think, and all the fellas here would say this: none of us could do this without our spouses. And and you know, Ren would say that about her spouse: none of us could do this without our our partner there. I mean, we are so disconnected. I mean, when you are traveling as much as we do in a busy season, and you're coming back, and you're just you know, I've done this for years, my life, and you're you're just living out of a suitcase, and you know, you can't hardly make plans like you know other Americans make plans. You know, it's yeah, it might be or might not be here. I don't know. You can barely plan to mow your yard. And so the spouse is such a critical player and they carry such a burden that's overlooked. You know, I just listened to Lynn talk about painting and, and taking jobs to support the ministry. I mean, that's what she's doing. She's supporting this rescue operation in the, in the ministry through her husband. And, you know, all of our spouses do those type of things. And, man, th- you know, they're the heroes. You rip off their shirts. They got S's, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, you know. This kind of an operation is it kind of mimics like military in some ways, and they deploy, come back, whatever, and all these things. So you know, clearly, again, the team is Alan, TC, you know, Mark and Ren, but there's also Caleb, who's you know Ren's husband, and the, and you got Tammy, and you got Lynn and Jamie, who are the other spouses that we can be praying for by name. Maybe God's putting something else on your heart for land and rescue. Or something else that you feel called to do based on what you heard today. We're just grateful that you listened and, and, and grateful for your prayers and, and thankful for an opportunity to share today. Thanks, guys. This was awesome. Thanks. Appreciate it, Ron. This is the Truth Network.